do we see at Groundswell this year, the 26th and 27th of June, close to London, UK? Many friends of the podcast will be there. John Kempf, Abby Rose, Benedict Bozo, Henry Dimbleby, Claire Hill, Russ Carrington, Andy Cato, Tim Coates, and many, many more. See you there. Welcome to Soil Builders, a series where we follow who is building soils at scale. This is an experiment, so please share any feedback. Why this show Soil Builders? I believe that most change in regenerative agriculture and food will come from and is coming from entrepreneurs building ways to regenerate soil at scale. I call these soil builders. Soil builders are entrepreneurial farmers, ag tech companies, investment funds, food startups, new seed cooperatives, teams within food companies, robot startups, investment vehicles, etc, etc, etc. All regenerating soil beyond their own farm gate and with more than their own money. This series allows the community of the podcast, which is you, full of funders, investors and fellow soil builders to follow their progress, their challenges and their breakthroughs. I hope you enjoy it and please reach out with any comments, feedback and ideas. Today we have Pete of Ubi, working hard to make local and organic food easy and fair in the UK. And Wolfgang of Saving Grains, turning post-harvest losses into profits for smallholder farmers. But first over to Pete. Pete, could you briefly introduce yourself and what brought you to found Ubi? Hi Kuhn, I'm Pete Russell and I founded Ubi over a decade ago because I recognized that our centralized global food systems were causing more damage than good. That was the industry I was in and I had a first-hand experience of that. And it's not by design but by consequence of economic incentives In the pursuit of greater and greater economies of scale, food corporations have been forever consolidating and centralising. Food production methods have been optimising for maximum yield at minimal cost, and the food itself is optimised for the demands of long, convoluted supply chains and for merchandising rather than for nourishment. So Ubi was founded as a solution uh, as a short, fast and simple sales and distribution model, which is designed to bring economies of small scale, if you will, uh, which can actually compete with mainstream food at, at, at the retail end of the market, whilst ensuring that all the actors within the supply chain, in particular the food growers, are receiving the right proportion of, of the retail pound. And what is the biggest difference for farmers working with you compared to working by themselves or working with others? I'd say the biggest difference for farmers working with Ubi compared to working by themselves or with others is that they have a comprehensive system with Ubi uh, wrapped with full support so that they can easily manage a direct sales model to households and businesses in their local region. This means that farmers can often double or even triple their margins Uh, without needing to become experts in sales and distribution. And what makes Ubi so unique in the direct-to-consumer marketplaces, which is slowly getting more crowded? What makes Ubi unique in the crowded space of direct-to-consumer marketplaces is that it's primarily designed around the logistics, coordinating and streamlining the, the delivery process from gate to plate. Um, collating, you know, an ever-changing range of perishable goods from small independent suppliers is a complex task. And platforms like Shopify or Etsy, 
They're great at the initial sales side, but they, like any of the logistical tools that are needed by food hubs to sort of manage a very complex supply chain operation in order to deliver on that sale. So the first sale to a customer is the easy sale. You're just selling an idea, really. But it's the second, third, and subsequent sales that make a food marketplace work. And that heavily depends on the entire customer experience working for the customer, including it arriving on time, in the right place, in full, and as fresh as expected every time. So that's our focus. It's on optimizing for the recurring sales rather than just acquiring customers. Um, and so whilst people can easily buy one-off deliveries on Ubi, the system defaults to a subscription model and the customer dashboard encourages add-on purchases without disrupting the recurring sales pattern. So I think that's how we differ primarily. Um, the customer experience on Ubi um, is that they know that they're shop shopping with a local independent farm, and that's their primary experience. They're shopping with someone in their region and, you know, with real provenance. But they are also aware that they're doing this via the Ubi platform. So similar to Etsy in that way, you know you're buying from an independent vendor, but you also know that you're doing it on the Etsy platform. So Ubi is visible to the customer, uh, to the, you know, the, the uh, household, but it stands behind the farmers and the food hubs and the farmers are, are the, you know, are the champions that are put front and center. And could you walk me through a use case? Let's say I'm a typical farmer and I'm reaching out to you. How does the process of joining and using Ubi look like? The use case for farmers is evolving over time. At this stage, we're really focused on building out the logistics network. And so we're working with farms that also act as distribution hubs. These are the farms that may produce a portion of the products for sale to the customers, but they also buy in goods from other producers in order to provide a full range of staple items for the households. So in this case, the joining experience is a high-touch process where we work closely with the, the farm hubs um, to help them to set them up on the platform and to train them on how to run a, a full logistical operation um, in order to do home deliveries from their farm. In due course, we'll be enabling farmers that don't want to be hubs to simply create a supplier account where they can create a profile and upload their available produce and products to be purchased in bulk by the network of hubs on the platform. So customers will be able to buy from these suppliers via their local hubs, and these suppliers won't need to deal directly with the thousands of customers. They'll be able to sell in bulk, but they'll have a platform that presents them to the thousands of customers. Um, and so for these uh, farmers, it'll be a much simpler self-onboarding process in much the same way as a vendor would set themselves up on something like Etsy. And now to Wolfgang of Saving Grains. Hi, Wolfgang. Welcome to the podcast. Could you briefly introduce yourself and what brings you to focus on grains in West Africa? Thanks, Gohan, for having me. It's a real pleasure. I'm Wolfgang. I worked for the World Food Program for quite a while. They are focused on market-based interventions. Together with the accelerator, they have a great accelerator there. 
And so we try to address systemic market inefficiencies to help smallholder farmers escape poverty. Um, so after a while, we focused on post-harvest losses. And basically, we've seen this huge opportunity to have a scalable business addressing these issues. And that's why we found saving grains. Now, the reason we went to West Africa to start with our platform was that we simply got some support from the Austrian Development Agency to get our model up and running. And could you share what Saving Grains is? Saving Grains is our social startup. We are building a digital platform to revamp the village crop trade in sub-Saharan Africa. And the problem we are addressing is that smallholders always sell during the harvest and prices are really low. Now prices go up within six months and towards lean season. And in Ghana, it's a whopping 80% price increase on average. Now all of this money doesn't stay in the village, but smallholders sell to traders from outside the village and the value chains outside the village benefit from this price increase. Now we are revamping that, but our starting point is not the farmer But we enable local entrepreneurs to store hermetically. We provide them with hermetic storage technology, as well as a loan that we give them and an app. Now, this, this holistic package combined allows them to buy grain in their community from smallholders and then to store for a long time without any quality issues or any post-harvest losses and subsequently sell and make on average 80% in profits. Now, they also have to invest some money, but due to the loan, it gets very profitable for them. Now, since all these transactions and all the money flows run out via our app, um, it's possible to automatically deduct a profit share that we pay back to the smallholder farmer so that they benefit from that value creation. Yeah, this is, uh, in a nutshell, our first product. Um, and we think it's a very scalable product. Uh, yeah, and at the moment we're doing this in Ghana and testing our first market proof with 100 customers. But we have plans to prove that this uh, model works for different crops, for maize, for beans, for groundnuts. And we also want to enter um, East Africa and Kenya and maybe to Nigeria to show that this is not like a local solution, but this is something um, where we hopefully can get better prices for millions of farmers. And how does it make a difference for the farmers involved? Now that one's really simple. Um, our farmers receive a profit share. So the customers buy from the smallholder farmers. They make a big trading profit. And our app automatically takes a part of the profit and pays it back to the smallholder farmer. And what's really neat is that the profit share comes in the lean season. That's a time when everybody's broke. When farmers need to invest into their cultivation, but there's no money, it's the time when the family starts skipping meals. So it's money when it's most needed. Now, if you look at the numbers, um, our entrepreneurs make 80% in trading profits uh, on average. So 10% of the trading profit we take out of this, and this goes to the smallholder farmer. Now, this doesn't, seem very much but if you look at the numbers and at the margins that smallholders make they're fairly low if you look at crop budgets 
Um, and I mean, there's variation depending on the type of grain and the type of cultivation and if you need external labor or not. But margins are typically between 5 and 20 to 25%. Now, if you give an extra 8% on top of this, it is significant. And the smallholder farmers we talk to, I mean, obviously, they love that because there's no risk on their part, no behavior change required. So for them, it's a pure win. Um, but there's also like a business reason behind this because we are a social business and we need to make money as well to be able to scale this rapidly. Um, so we give a loan to our customers. And in Africa, as you well know, you have to make sure that you get the money back if you loan out money. Now, what is really interesting is that in this model, everybody wins in the village. So should there be a problem with a default, then we can communicate with the smallholder farmers and with the traders to find a solution. Because obviously, if you farmers expect a profit share, it's a very uncomfortable for a situation for a crops trader not to pay that profit share. So it doesn't make sense for our customers to uh, default on their loan um, and um, be unpopular in their village. So there's a big social element of this. There's also a huge social element that we completely underestimated that our customers love the social position. They love to be in the position to be the source of a profit share and extra money to farmers. So we're very happy about this uh, social element and we find that it's very well intertwined, the social element and the business element. And compared to other solutions, how is it fundamentally different? Well, most sub-Saharan African markets are completely dominated by traditional crop trading, which means the trader comes in the village, um, buys grain, um, grain travels uh, through aggregation centers and to population centers. And all these interseasonal price increases um, run up in later parts of the value chain outside of the village. Now, our solution, as described, is obviously very different and has many advantages. We formalize the crop trades to the traders. They get a loan. They get a financial history. They get transparency over their own trading activities. And there's profit shares to smallholders. So um, it's a big step to um, what's currently happening. Now, there's other digital approaches, um, very interesting ones like Ecocenter or Apex Nigeria. Um, Safaricom is um, also working on uh, solutions. But what makes our, what distinguishes our solution from others is that we are a completely free platform. Now, other solutions are more captive. So they use these um, crowd elements to, um, to basically aggregate themselves. They sort of like use this more as an agent model, but the crop is controlled by them. Whereas we are a free platform, we really build on the entrepreneurial energy and activity of our customers, and they can buy grain and sell grain to anybody they like as long as it goes through our app. Um, there's also uh, an additional element to our business model where we also offer a connection to uh, other markets, especially the urban markets and the big off-takers, since we have higher quality grain. But this is not mandatory. We just offer our customers a, a price for um, their grain, and they can uh, 
accept or reject it depending on the other opportunities they have to trade. So we really build on this, make being the tool for like uh, hundreds and thousands of entrepreneurs to become small businesses or even bigger businesses and grow. If you found the Investing in Regenerative Agriculture and Food podcast valuable, there are a few simple ways you can use to support it. Number one, rate and review the podcast on your podcast app. That's the best way for other listeners to find the podcast, and it only takes a few seconds. Number two, share this podcast on social media or email it to your friends and colleagues. Number three, if this podcast has been of value to you, and if you have the means, please join my membership community to help grow this platform and allow me to take it further. You can find all the details on gumroad.com slash investingregionag or in the description below. Thank you so much and see you at the next podcast.